Beloved Church of God, beginning our service, before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of slander, gossip, rumors, selfishness, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present the service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. How wonderful it is to live together with the brethren. This is like the precious oil that flows from the beard of Aaron like the dew that comes upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord has spoken his eternal life. And this is a wonderful thing to be a part of the Zion. and in such a divine order to prepare to meet with the Lord. Even a person that did not have an upright heart before God, I'm referring to Balaam, when he saw this order of God in the tabernacle of testimony upon which Moses ascended on, and when he entered, each had stopped at his tent and standing at the entrance observed how the person of God goes into the presence of God in order to receive a revelation. And when he saw this beauty, he had proclaimed, How wonderful are your tents, O Jacob! There is nothing comparable to this on earth. The beauty of God's order is astonishing. No one could place their tents in such a way. You know, other people, they place them in disorder. But here was specific order of the beauty of God. And I will read the place of Scripture. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. We are continuing to be immersed in that revelation that the Lord has given our pastor 
has given to all of us, has given in such a way as to prepare, to prepare the whole body of Christ. We had sang about the harvest just a little bit ago, and we know that the harvest, the first sheaf, sheaf to the Lord, is the barley bread, the barley harvest. And this place of scripture and revelation that we hear the last few years, through which the Lord is preparing us in His image, in His fullness. And this is taken from Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness of truth. We are continuing to remember these three verbs that are important to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. We have stopped to study to uh, being clothed, being clothed into our new man so that we have an opportunity to be clothed in the resurrection of Christ when this day comes. We know that to set him aside, we need to understand who this old man is, to define him, and to understand his, uh, understand that this evil is in each of us. The old man is a certain program, the program that has been passed down to us on the genetic level that has been passed down during the moment of conception. It is passed on to us from the forefathers, from the sinful and vain life of the forefathers. And in the book of Lamentations, this prophet of God is crying and he says, your prophets did not feel lawlessness and they gave false revelations. So these prophets said, well, what is, why are you worried about this old man? Why have you grasped onto him in such a way? No, he needs to be defined. He needs to be understood. What God has allowed us to do to understand what our old man is through our pastor, and we understand who, are we, who we are fighting. And we've understood, we've stopped looking from side to side. We've stopped looking at what is occurring. right next to us perhaps before uh, our pastor told us let man test himself let man examine himself and we when we recognize the danger that is found in ourselves and when this was explained we stopped looking from side to side because we understood that the danger it, it is dangerous to look from side to side at others because in this old nature, when we say in ourselves, we're talking about in our body. In our body, there exists the presence of the program that can either be turned off or can be turned on. And the Lord tells us how to turn it off, knowing that our old man, uh, we must be crucified so that we do not depend on this old man, so that the sinful body be abolished and Satan of course is going to try to somehow turn on this program so that it could act in us 
and so that it could destroy the power or the program of life in us. We've understood and we have set aside the former way of life of our old man. We have been armed with the thought about renewing our mind. In the beginning, this was not easy to understand. What does it mean to set aside our old man? How do we renew our thinking? How do we become renewed? But upon our dwelling in the Word of God, we've understood to renew, it's necessary to die. Renewal, when a person dies, renewal is resurrection. We remember the image of Mephibosheth. This is so Saul, who was our anointed carnal mind, must die. And sometimes we agree, we understand that the mind cannot cooperate with the revelations of God. It fights against the new man. Saul continually had battled with him. But there is Jonathan that is present there. Sometimes we come up and say, Pastor, this is how I, just as you have said, I see it the same way as you see it. But you know, even this in us, as if as good as it may seem, and the scribes had said this as well, Christ had answered them. Are you not? You are not far from the kingdom of heaven. And Jonathan was very close to David. And Jonathan had to die. He had to go through the process of death. And the son of Jonathan, Mephibosheth, this is that image of what it means to renew. Mephibosheth, When he was five years old, his nanny took him to run away. She dropped him. Something had happened, and both of his legs were broken. This person was truly disabled. You know, when one leg is perhaps lame, I had... I went to the mountain, as I'll go to the mountain. I fell really hard, and for several months... It was very difficult for me to move. I was on crutches, so one leg fine, but imagine two legs. This person with great difficulty had needed to move around. And when David found him, called him, he says, the state of our mind, if we associate ourselves with Mephibosheth, must be like this. He came and he said, I am a dead dog. Why did the master call me? He was in fear. He didn't know why he was called. Our mind must be in the correct position. He must be found in such a trembling state. He must be lame. This means that we can't rely on our own mind. We can't rely on our intellectual capabilities before God. And when our mind dies, we have an opportunity to stand in the image of Mephibosheth and of him. David calls him and says, you are always going to eat bread at my table. We right now are eating bread, 
each time when this word is spoken, this revelation that the Lord has given to us, this is the bread that we are eating. And he, as one of the sons of a king, was at the table. And we know that the sons of the king are the fruit of a reborn person. And Mephibosheth, always of him, it is always said that he ate bread. And we will come in this kind of state to eternity in our soul. It is renewed. It is lame. It is incapable. It is incapable of relying on anything else. The apostles wrote, Beware of dogs. A dog returns to his vomit. It's the mind of a person that relies and that tries to, with its own interpretations, focus not on the revelations of God, but a, a dead dog when he went came before the King David. He called himself a dog that dog having endured death he was renewed it's a renewed mind when he stands before the king this means to renew our thinking and looking at looking at clothing ourselves into the new man we looked at seven components when our mind is renewed we are able to be clothed on and begin to be clothed into our new man. According to scripture, Pastor had offered us a place of scripture from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 10. I will rejoice in the Lord, for my soul shall rejoice and be glad in the Lord, for he has clothed me in the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. According to scripture, a person that is clothed in the garments, clean and bright, based on this place of scripture, another place of scripture, here are seven definitions that are taken from many places of scriptures. We don't mention these places of scripture because our time is limited, but a person that is clothed, clothed in linen, clean and bright, is a person clothed in the garments of salvation, wearing the robes of righteousness, Uh, as a bridegroom adorns her head and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, representing the powers of the Yahweh of hosts. And we are continuing to be clothed, or rather immersed in this revelation, which for us is that food, is that food in which we are going to be clothed in. In a certain format, we have already studied the essence that is contained in the garments of salvation and have stopped to study the robes of righteousness and in part on the measure of that price that is necessary to pay for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness. We talked about the definitions. We talked about the purpose of this robe of righteousness. And we are now talking about the price. The first price is comprised in fulfilling the conditions, giving us the opportunity to be filled with the fear of the Lord. This is to eat milk and honey. The second price for the right to be clothed in robes of righteousness is comprised of the conditions of the fulfillment of which is called to turn upon us the favor of God. We are called to fulfill and to do specific things that are going to 
cause the favor of God to fall upon us, His blessing to come upon us. We must care for this, and we must, with trembling, care to keep careful and close relations in the eyes of saints as well, and of course in the eyes of God first and foremost. The third price for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness is the price to judge of everything that comes from the Spirit of God and to not depend on the judgment of any carnal person, to depend on the judgment and to seek ways to become spiritual. How does one seek ways to become the carnal? They don't understand about that which comes from the Spirit of God. Things must be judged of spiritually. And to do this, one must have a renewed mind. The fourth price for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness is the price for the opportunity and the right. There are things that come from the Spirit of God. But we are being immersed and we begin to know the mind of the Lord in order to judge it and give a, an appraisal for it. The fifth condition for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness is comprised of pondering upon those truths that are going to allow us to be renewed in the knowledge in the image of according to the one who created us. The sixth condition for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness is the price that is expressed in full refusal to drink alcoholic drinks. And the seventh price for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness in order to fulfill the justice of God is being clothed in redemption that is yielded in observing the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. A very important component, a precious component. There it contains treasure, and there is contained depths. We are talking about how these things were withheld from previous generations. The saints of previous generations, with trembling, looked at these statutes. They had observed the literal things that were written of, that were spoken by Moses, how to observe Pesach. They did so with, with so with trembling and understood that and comprehended that there was a depth, but they couldn't understand quite fully. Some prophets were able to penetrate and were able to partially see this grace, but it was hidden from the previous generations, and only some were able to partially, in parts, understand uh, that which we are hearing today. And this word is unsealed for us uh, now more than ever. And we have the opportunity to become partakers of the table of the Lord, the feast of the Lord, so that we can fulfill this statute regarding the uh, Pesach feast. And this is important. In the statute of Pesach, or Passover, being clothed in the robes of righteousness was comprised in a certain uh, garment or clothing in which it was necessary to eat of the Pesach lamb in such a way and under certain requirements. That's why we are talking a lot about being clothed, because behind this stands the fulfillment of the requirements of Pesach. Jesus said to the disciples, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day.
For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats his bread, bread will, will live forever. Book of John, chapter 6, verses 53-58. through 58. And you know, at that time when Christ had spoken these words, this truth had continued to yet still be revealed, or excuse me, unco- uh, to be covered in such a way, covered in such a way that many disciples had stumbled over these words and had stumbled and walked away from Christ. They were tempted. And then the apostles began to understand more so of this commandment when he gave them the wine before the Pesach celebration, during the time of his crucifixion, right before it. They had understood what this is about, and yet, you know, still, as we hear today, this is an un- such an uncovered and unsealed truth for us that this truth brings us to great victory that we wait in our bodies. Let's take a look at these treasures. The Pesach feast, even before the creation of the world, was meant by God to become the blessed fate of all of those who come to Him, in which God received the opportunity to fulfill judgment over His enemies that had persecuted His chosen remnant. The essence of the promise that are contained in the Pesach feast were expressed in the following. First, in the legal right to exit out of Egypt, which symbolizes the right to freedom from the vain life or the sinful inheritance passed on to us through the fading seed of our fathers meaning God had declared victory in the year of Jubilee you can be freed, you can come out it is the legal right to not uh, this is the right and the opportunity we are going to study further in order to use this right there must be something that we must do It is in the legal right to enter into the promised land that symbolizes the right to the partaking of the inheritance of saints, the promises of God, the partaking to all of the promises of God, which which God fulfills in His body. Third, in the legal right to know God and to be perfected in the image of His Son in the process of our communication with Him. Great is the grace of the Lord, the ability to be transformed in the image of the Son of God by eating of the Pesach. And it is also in the legal right to prepare ourselves for rapture upon the morning star and in the right to the rapture itself. We know that our bodies are going to be transformed at the door of rapture, the door of our hope. This promise is is, uh, contained in that. And in these purposes that are contained in the Pesach Feast, which comprise our essence and inheritance in Christ Jesus, we gain in these purposes, we gain these seven different important treasures. Let us read them. We gain protection from the just anger of God with the simultaneous bringing to fulfillment of the judgment of God over our enemies. You know, sometimes the anger of God For some kind of work or action, 
a person receives this. Uh, sometimes he receives this, but then he begins to repent. And the victory of this first point and this wonderful inheritance is when a person has sinned. But celebrating Pesach, he receives protection from God, having committed some kind of sin. Second, we gain the organized illegal partaking to the blood and body of the Lord in the face of the heavenly Jerusalem, which points to the fact that it we become partakers to God's heritage, not during the moment of circumcision, but the moment of eating of the Pesach of the Lord, of Passover of the Lord, in which we acknowledge God. So we are transformed in such a way that we know how the truth works about the blood of Christ and the truth that is contained in the cross of Christ and we become partakers. We learn how to cooperate through the basic feast. For we gain the opportunity to proclaim the death of the Lord so that in His resurrection we can triumph over sin because our faith, our faith upon partaking in Pesach becomes the fate of God. God's fate becomes our fate. The fourth treasure which has become possible through the worthy partaking of Pesach is that we gain freedom from slavery unto Egypt. Five, we gain the right to healing from the illnesses. Psalms 105.37, And there was none feeble among his tribes, because it is in the moment of eating of the Pesach that God receives the right to place our illnesses and weaknesses on his son. Six, we gain the right to become enriched in God, which also occurs when we partake in Pesach. He also brought the Israelites out with silver and gold. Psalms 105, 37. And seven, we gain the right to legally having the land in which flows milk and honey. The land in which flows milk and honey symbolizes the new man born from the imperishable seed of the word of God, whereas milk and honey represent spiritual food, the abundance of food that gives satisfaction to man. Christ had said, he who eats me shall not desire. So he who eats my bread and drinks my blood will live according to the word of the Lord. The word that is found in the preached word that we are going to eat of, it is going to become milk and honey. For these treasures of the Pesach feast that contain in themselves partaking to the heritage and righteousness of God to become our reality, Scripture has imputed to us the necessity of fulfilling ten conditions that highlight how we need to prepare and eat the Pesach lamb. These ten requirements are written in the book of Exodus chapter 12. This is to separate the Passover lamb. Second, this is to remove all leaven from the house. Third, to anoint with blood uh, the doorposts and lentils. Four, to bake the lamb in the fire. Five, to gird oneself with, um, to gird one's waist with a sash. Six, to 
put sandals on the feet, to take the staff in the hand. Eight, this is to eat the lamb fully, to eat it with bitter herbs, and to eat it in haste. I'm going to quickly remind us about what we've already talked about. The first condition is to separate the Pesach lamb on our end, our part, each of us individually. Our partaking and separating the Pesach lamb means to present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God for reasonable service. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5, it says that they give themselves up to the Lord first, and then to us, the apostles, according to the will of God, to present ourselves as a disciple according to the use of God, first to the Lord and then to the apostles according to the will of God. To separate oneself as a living sacrifice is possible only upon fulfilling three conditions. The Pesach lamb has to be without blemish of the male gender and one year old. Again, to be without blemish means to accept justification as the gift of grace through redemption in Christ Jesus. When we hear this truth, we believe and we accept it with our heart. We proclaim it with our lips. And our justification that we try to fulfill through our works dies and we say, Lord, I thank you that you have been made my righteousness, my redemption, my sanctification. You are my foundation, my hope. And only in this way will I be able to build or will I be able to bring a sacrifice, my body, to present my body. Satan is going to try to take us off of this foundation, but we are called to withstand by celebrating the Pesach feast. Second, to meet the requirements of a male gender means in our dedication to God to not depend on the requirement of the old nature or his ruling over our nature. We must not fulfill what we desire to do, but we must be obedient to the Lord. You remember this state, I think. You don't want to go to church service. You don't want to go to cell group service. You don't want to do that which the Lord tells us to do you don't want to do it but we say whether i want to or not i have to why because i want to coincide to the male gender i begin to proclaim this with my lips i begin to lift myself and i say whatever i may feel however difficult it might be for me or however i might feel i am going to fulfill the words that the lord wants that the Lord requires of me. And to be one year old means to accept grace in the face of the Holy Spirit and to depend on the Holy Spirit. This tells us that the day of the Lord has begun. The day of the Lord is a Sabbath of the Lord. This is uh, the year of the Lord, which is referring to a period of time that yields the year of the Lord in which it means the year of the redeemed in which the grace steps into power in the face of the Holy Spirit. The year of the redeemed has begun in that moment that Christ uh, came out and says in the synagogue and said, the word has been fulfilled that I have read to you. And it began to be fulfilled. And today in our time, it is coming to its end because that which we hear and that which the Lord is going to fulfill, He is going to do the redemption of our bodies that we await. 
in the book of Romans is it is written for the creation with hope uh, and in creation we talked about how this is these are angels God has placed them in such a position to serve us and they wait for the revelation I do want to share with a, t- a testimony with you. It happened so that I went to the East Coast last week for three days. And I sit in an airplane and a thought comes, well, what if right now it falls, it crashes? Sometimes these thoughts approach and I had such firmness. I had heard the preached word. I had accepted the promise regarding the redemption of my body. Even if this plane begins to fall, the pastor had said, each person who has accepted the promise regarding the redemption of the body that is going to occur at the beginning of the week of the prophecy of Daniel, then God will bring this to fulfillment. This uh, angel with his army of Michael the Archangel, I was sitting there calmly, I said, how wonderful, how how peaceful because I truly know I don't know why I know but I have this uh, this I have this firmness that if this flame plane begins to crash that the angels will uphold it and I just understood that I have accepted the promise in this word because the man of God has spoken it this is so and I then fell asleep in the plane knowing that everything will be okay and not just these angels, but we ourselves, having, we groan and wait for the adoption of our body. The second condition or the requirement that talks about the worthy partaking to the Pesach is removing all leaven from our home and the preparation of the breads. We talked about how there are three measures of flour and there is the level 11 the kingdom of heaven placed in there and there is also another kind of state in which satan tries through the old man to try to activate the leaven of the flesh so that it could destroy us but we are called to uh, to remove this leaven meaning we remove that within us that tries to mix what is heavenly with what is in our own mind. The third condition or requirement that speaks of the worthy partaking of Pesach was anointing with the blood of the Lamb, the doorposts and lentils of our door, all three essence, all three substance of our essence, not just two doorposts and one lentil all three because God has declared salvation perfection victory God has declared his belonging all three substances of our essence and we are called to have the blood and all three aspects of our essence and to protect ourselves before God to place this blood or to allow the Lord to lay it upon our essence with hyssop this was hyssop with which it was brought on the doors the fourth condition or the requirement of Pesach was baking the 
of lamb and fire. And he, they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. To bake the lamb in fire means to prepare it to be eaten as food, despite the fact that the lamb had fully met the requirements. If it is not baked in the fire, it is impossible for him to to be uh, eaten as food and therefore he will not give a person the right to call on God or to run to God as to his fortress something that is missing not according to the statute according to scripture to bake the lamb and fire means to cleanse it from um, from earthly inclusions to test it and to affirm it Isaiah 20, 16, Therefore, thus is the Lord God. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Jesus Christ was tested, meaning that we will also be tested. Oh, how I don't want to, uh, to test or uh, to test or affliction. But, you know, we say we want test or affliction because there is a great uh, great riches that stands behind this. For us to bake the lamb is when we work with the Lord. When we sit and when we hear these words that come from the mouth of the Lord, they fill this place. And they don't burn us. They bring us a great reward. This is a great test for us. We might endure some kind of troubles in life, but whoever can live among the devouring fire of holiness, you know, sometimes people, uh, one brother had testified among us, they said, I was in prison, I was in prison in another city, and there was a woman that was sent to me, he was young, uh, in order to tempt me, and I went he was already old and he was testifying this. He says, I went through the fiery uh, temptation and I with, withstood. You now, fiery temptation occurs here, fiery test, because uh, the Lord God is a devouring fire of holiness and from his lips comes a flame. And who can live upon the eternal flame? Who, he who walks uh, blamelessly, who, who speaks truth in his heart, he who does not do evil to his neighbor and so forth. And if there is any untruth, found in him who can stand upon this fire a devouring fire of holiness when a person is clothed a man of god is clothed in the anointing to speak these fiery words they devour the old man they devour but we remain in the coolness just like the young man the three young men, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what do they do? They feel this coolness, and we, and there are very few that can uh, withstand what we are going through. This means that we are blessed. But here there must be a certain fullness, and let's, uh, let's continue reading this point. For us, to bake the lamb in fire means to collaborate with God in the preparation of ourselves to the worthy partaking of the Pesic lamb. We collaborate with this word. And this kind of preparation is tied to collaborating with God in sanctification of oneself in all fullness by way of testing our spiritual building by the fire of the Holy Spirit. It is written, Now may the God of peace himself 
Or rather, he who endures, I will give this rod, and he is going to, I will give him a morning star. This means to endure it and carry it out until the end. I am preparing myself for this word, and sometimes we, if we observe 99%, again, I am uh, praising myself. It might not be true because we don't praise ourselves, but the Lord gives us an opportunity. He says, here is the scale, here is my word. When we prepare our heart and when we place ourselves before the preached word upon the altar, the Lord weighs us, and we are able to understand the measure of our faith and how much we coincide with this staff and with this rod. I perhaps 99, I have rounded up, but the close to it. Uh, not quite to the end. I feel in my heart something is in there, something else that is in there, something else that is challenging, something else that is fighting. And I begin to pray and say, Thank you, God, help me. Let the righteous correct me. Let me to coincide with this word 100% fully. I want to observe these, uh, observe this to the end. I want to contrite all of the Gentiles in my essence with. Uh, with a staff and to stand before you in fullness. I want to celebrate the basic feast along with your saints. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thus it is going to be kept when we prepare it, when we are going to cooperate with this word. According to the requirements of Scripture, a person that is sanctified in all fullness means that he has been tested and built into a spiritual dwelling. First Peter 2.5 And may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This kind of building means that we have allowed God to test all spheres in our essence. We say, Lord, test me, test me. But there, uh, don't don't go to, I don't need your fire there in that sphere. And we aren't able to be tested fully. We won't be able to observe all the works of God to the end. We must be like a seal, tested. We must endure this test and God places his seal and says the Lord is there now take a look when the Lord tests we must there is a sovereignty and there is the order of God but the Lord won't test us against our will he is a sovereign being and he honors the sovereignty of a person and he stands at the door and knocks. If a person will open, he will enter. If not, he won't. We must open the door to him, uh, to open the door. To open ourselves to testing means to test and examine ourselves. Are we in the faith or not? Second Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, 
Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? To give an opportunity to God to test ourselves means to turn to Him with a supplication. Here we begin to understand that I am examining myself and I understand that it is difficult for me. And when we begin, we begin to turn to Him and we begin to ask Him for Him to test our building while we are found in time, for the day of the Lord will show this day of redemption, the revolution of the sons of God. Who were the sons of God, indeed? A wise person, a prophet, man of God, when he came and he understood this, he began to pray to God. Psalms 139, 2-3. 23-24 Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Usually Apostle Paul said, How is the Lord our judge? The Lord is judge through the preached word of God. This is how the Lord is judge. If we as a sacrifice will not coincide with the requirements of the basic lamb, the fire of God will never descend upon us as upon a sacrifice in order to sanctify us. Psalms 26 verses 1 through 2. Examine me, O Lord, improve me, try my mind and my heart. Who and how God tests with his fire, Apostle Paul wrote with these words, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 13. For no other foundation can anyone lay on that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. The day of the Lord is the Church of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we wait for a kind of day, heavens to be opened, the Lord comes down and there will be such a day. But the testing occurs in the day of the Lord, in the revealing of the day of the Lord, when the day of the Lord reveals itself. The day of the Lord is the mother to us all, to the Jerusalem on high. These are those that have been placed by God to lead us to perfection, but they don't test us according to the flesh. They test us by the power of the Holy Spirit and the preached Word of God. And this, according to Scripture, is called a staff and rod, a measuring rod. In this place of Scripture, uh, the day is likened to the fire, and fire likened to the day in which each one's work will be tested that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, this word that we have received in our heart is going to be test, tested. This faith or this preached word in us is going to be tested along with us. There, uh, there may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, Therefore, when we hear the preached word of God and all of a sudden it begins to burn, something begins to crumble, something begins to fall away. Fire is wonderful. Fire devours. And the hay and straw begin to burn. And the precious stone or precious metal comes from it. And the precious, uh, precious stones lay intactly. This kind of testing by fire, the light of day, not only gives a definition to the quality of our faith, but also it cleanses our faith from all premises of the flesh, just as the fire uh, cleanses the gold. Daniel 12.10 Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. This place of scripture, scripture we... Uh, It is that which is occurring today. The wicked don't understand. They don't understand any of this. They don't understand that which is occurring with the people of God. Third, this kind of testing by fire or this light of day makes a person capable of calling upon the name of the Lord. Zechariah 13.9, I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. For this kind of testing by fire gives a person the right to die to the law of Moses in order to be justified before God by, f uh, th by faith in redemption of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Galatians 3.24 And one more place, Romans 10.4 For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In one other place, hallow the Lord your God in your hearts and be prepared. The celebration of the Pesach feast also notes this aspect. The word everyone for the law of righteousness to everyone who believes to everyone he calls all of us to um, to answer for our actions someone who does not carry responsibility before us by God responsibility for us by God shall not appraise us There is an order of God and we are taught it. Someone carries responsibility and before the responsible face we must give an answer with meekness and thanksgiving. I continue to learn this when I am asked something to have meekness and reverence before that person whom God has placed before us if he requires or requests something of me to give an answer with meekness and reverence. This means to celebrate the Pesach feast. The fifth condition, we've talked about four already, the fifth condition or the requirement, there are ten total, 
It is a necessity to be, uh, to have a belt on our waist. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist. This is the Pesach of the Lord, Exodus 12:11. In our case, to eat the Pesach with a belt on our waist is to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind or to place our thinking in full dependence on the order of truth that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff on your hand. It is the Lord's Passover. Exodus 12.11 According to the revelations of Scripture, it is the thoughts of a person or the image of thinking that he has accepted that defines his properties and inclinations. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23.7 And therefore, the action of placing a waist, a belt on our waist pursues the goal of placing ourselves to the voluntary readiness to immediately fulfill the word of God. The quality of the faith of a person, how much or how far is he ready to immediately and irrefutably observe to the end, to not leave an escape, to not leave some kind of bridge to not leave some kind of way out, but to place oneself on the altar before the Lord so that the Lord is able to cause his fire to come upon this person. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6.14 Girding our mind with the truth is the readiness and surrounding, not the desires of the soul, but the readiness to surround the desires of God and the worthy partaking of Pesach that is ready to fulfill the uh, desire and thirst of God. The standard of the standard of this is the Spirit of God. Genesis 1-2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Hovering over the waters means to surround the thoughts of God, tremble before them, and was ready to immediately fulfill them. To hover over the face of the waters also is to surround and depend on the fulfillment of the words of God or to be ready to submit the to the faith of God that is expressed in the revelation of God's decrees as it is written now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him we are not of those who draw back to perdition but of those who believe to the saving of the soul Hebrews 10 38 39 and this I pay attention very closely to when pastor speaks. Uh, we stand at the door of our hope. We have come close to this line. We are right before this line. Soon this will occur, and this is very near. We don't know how close it is, but we know that according to the measure of our drawing near and what we are hearing, we must... Observe this statute regarding the commandments of God, and we shall wait for what we will hear next. My testimony, I begin to observe this more and more in myself lately. I wait for every service, 
going, leaving service. It's not. It doesn't mean that I, I am not full. I am very full. I receive the abundance of food, joy, and comfort, uh, blessing, and I rejoice. I am satisfied spiritually and in all the ways. I endure joy and blessing and satisfaction of life. But as soon as I leave service, I begin to wait for next service. I think considering how much of us there are today, we are all in such a state. What is the Lord going to tell us? Because we have drawn so close. What is going to be next? What's the next step? What else do we need to do? We all are one. We have heard. And we are praying for one another because we are all going to be a step into this promise together at once and we have drawn close to this point. The phrase, to stand in faith to the salvation of this, to this preached word, God did not redeem our spirit separately from our soul and our body. When we accepted our salvation, then we accepted it for all of our essence as a whole, including our spirit, soul, and body. But there is a certain work that must be done. We are talking about how while we still remain in our immortal, in our immortal soul and decaying body, uh, death still threatens us in the face of our old nature, in the face of the world in which we live, in the face of devil. Therefore, to stand in faith and salvation of the soul means to hold on to or to keep ourselves in salvation, which in fact means to stand in the grace of God. And of course, this kind of uh, keeping of ourselves in the grace of God is tied to the use of certain uh, energy. Only disciplining and keeping ourselves in the faith of God, or rather in the obedience to the faith of God, we on our end demonstrate our drawing near to God and we can accept from the fullness of God through the worthy partaking of Pesach. The Lord is in agreement to work with every person because He waits for when a person Himself is going to come out to meet and greet God. This is His promise to us. This is His nature. He is not based on His feelings. He is not man. Sometimes we say there are sometimes people are um, pleasing to us. There are some that we don't we, we don't really like. We like ourselves, and when we find someone that looks like us, we are sympathetic toward him. But when he is totally different, we might, it's, he's like a rare bird and different, and we don't really sympathize with him. But this is our fleshly nature that is like this. But the Lord is not man. He doesn't have this fleshly nature. He looks at each person, and we know that the Lord knows from the beginning of his days he looks at each person as contenders for his mercy and he waits for when a person is going to strive toward God with all his heart and in all and all his soul John 1 16 and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace or as we had heard grace again for grace not grace upon grace but grace for grace 
This phrase contains in itself the meaning, uh, the following meaning, that we can receive the fullness of the grace of God and His favor under one condition, that we on our end are going to show Him our grace, or rather our favor, and our thanksgiving, or gratitude. One of the first definitions of the word grace is uh, grace, favor, loyalty, and acceptance. Fullness is that which fulfills something. Uh, practically, God fulfills that vessel which has favor toward God, is open to God, or meets the norms and requirements of His grace, from which we can conclude that in order to gain the favor of God, it is necessary to uh, show favor toward Him. We must show our submissive to Him and our gratitude for the love He has shown us. James 4, 8, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. This phrase tells us that the favor of God toward us is made completely dependent on our favor toward Him. We can receive from the fullness of His grace for grace, and this is possible under one condition, when we do not violate the sovereignty of, of both sides. This is seen from the definition of the phrase, we have accepted in relation to the grace of God, which means, first, to take upon the conditions of sovereignty, second, to, t uh, to accept with fear and trembling, to wait with patience, to achieve in pursuit to receive as a reward to inherit as uh, an inheritance to focus on the goals our whole life we hear uh, the grace of the Lord in that he has promised us and he has given us such a word that we are going to be clothed in the resurrection of Christ in an image of imperishability. And it's not quite known what this is or how this will be, but we know and we understand that behind this, something uh, wonderful stands behind this because this is going to be so bright and clear to man himself and to his surroundings that God is going to rapture this person. I had heard from one person, he said, Pastor talked about rapture, and then it's as if he began talking about the clothing of our body and the resurrection of Christ. And this is not quite the same thing, but wait a second. We're focused on rapture, but then at the same time, there's another hill along the way, some kind of slope. Well, can't we go and fast forward to rapture? You know, rapture is going to be uh, the act that flows from the fact that we will receive from God a sign that we have pleased Him in that our bodies are going to be clothed in the resurrection. They're going to be clothed in imperishability. It is that which we are studying. Somehow God will reveal His glory and righteousness before all the nations. And we have made this the goal of our life. We, have, we strive toward this goal in order to go and inherit it. Thus, the phrase grace for grace and the subject of tying a belt around our waist or standing in the truth highlights the mutual favor 
between God and man. The worthy partaking of Pesach talks about the separation from the law that came from Moses and the grace that came to us through Christ. John 1, 16-17, And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Based on this meaning, we can conclude that as the law that have come through Moses and grace that has come through Jesus represent the relations between God and His chosen remnant. According to Scripture, the law that is given through Moses was called to be the tutor to Christ or the tutor to the perfect law of liberty that is contained in the grace of God that is given to us in Christ Jesus and the subject of the observance of Pesach. Thus, the law that is given through Moses cannot be perfect. It was a shadow of the goods to come those goods that God is going to reveal in the future, but it as a shadow had illuminated some kind of outlines of this perfect image. Uh, today this is true goodness. Where we make our collaboration so that we can eat of this goodness and this grace. God is ready to be uh, to give these goods to a person. We must fulfill the conditions on our end for this to happen doesn't mean that I give to you, you give to me. This is more than that. This is sovereignty. You have your own sovereignty, and I have my own. I and my sovereignty give you, and I want you to fulfill this, but you must make the decision with all of your strength to strive to fulfill this statute, this grace. Why is, uh, why do, is there a need for a law? Why was it given? It was given uh, before the coming of the seed. Galatians 3, 19-21 What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. The law of grace was called to justify us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ or to build relations between the perfect and righteous God. James 1.25, He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. James 1.25 We are talking about the law of grace, which we today are hearing, that is, being expressed in the preached word for us, this is the law of grace. The phrase, you blessed in, in what he does, means that only he who looks unto the perfect law, the law of liberty, dwells in him. He is going to be saved in Christ and be delivered from the retribution of God. This means that in order for a person to be blessed in observing Pesach, it is necessary for him to look into the perfect law that is presented to him in uh, the Pesach feast. To look into means we'll look inside the law of liberty. To observe the law of liberty, we'll focus on the law of liberty. We'll look into the law of liberty. We'll penetrate into the law of liberty and be found in it. We'll observe the law of liberty. We'll make the law of liberty in a, 
a place of habitation, will thank God for the ability to be in this law and will represent the interests of the perfect law of liberty. This list could be continued. And sometimes I hear these places of scripture, sometimes uh, reading them on my own. I see how in the thousand-year reign, God has given certain hints at what the abundance is going to be comprised of, that God is going to make a table from uh, the fat, from the riches, from the goods. But God is giving this to us in His preached word. And I understand that we are limited in time and that we accept it. 10, 10 points, 15 points, 12 points. But this uh, commandment is uh, deep and it's very broad and we need to enter into the essence of this law or to the essence of this word that we hear. And to understand the idea that in the law of Moses represented sla uh, slavery to sin, we will look at First Timothy Verse, chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the everything that is contrary to sound doctrine. Thus, those that make themselves dependent on the law of Moses lose the legal right to inheriting grace. Galatians 5, 4, you have been uh, become estranged from Christ. You who attempted to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. And now, we will summarize uh, the worthy observance of Pesach in this subject of girding our thinking with the sash of truth or the belt of truth. First, a person that has made himself dependent on the law of Moses will never be able to gain the righteousness before God. I did not set aside the grace of God for if the for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Second, a person that has made himself dependent on the law of Moses gives an opportunity for sin to uh, to have power over him. 1 Corinthians 15.56 The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Third, sin loses its power and the right over a person uh, who worthily partakes in Pesach and the subject of the fact that he has girded his thinking with the truth. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And perhaps we will only very briefly touch uh, the sixth condition or requirement that talks about the worthy partaking of Pesach. This is the necessity of having sandals on our feet. And thus you shall eat it, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. It is the Lord's Passover. Exodus 12:11. This is the uh, chapter 12. This is the uh, statute regarding Pesach. Sandals upon the feet is an image in which we are called to be a light to the world. Ephesians 6, 14-15 Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In Scripture, to be a light simultaneously also means to be salt, which points to the origin and property of this light. 
light is tied to salt. We are called to be the salt and the light. You are the salt. You are the city that stands on the hill. Light and salt, they go in parallel. Because salt is an image of holiness. The light that does not have in itself holiness is a false light, which represents the interests of the person of sin behind which stands the uh, the tempter. This is something that does not have holiness. The interests of the true light represent those people who are filled and clothed in godliness, because of which they are carriers of the holiness of truth. False lighters are presented by those who have uh, false uh, piety or false godliness. And in these words it follows to pay attention to where it says, Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. We are talking right now about how he has clothed us in robes of righteousness. What does this mean? But if, due to certain reasons of the flesh, someone refuses to stand watch at the door of his heart and accepts a rebellion thoughts of the serpent, which transforms into a carrier of the outward form of godliness by having denied its power, then this person loses his partaking to the power of the salt and is thrown out. Matthew 5.13 We were witnesses of when people were thrown out from the territory of the kingdom of heaven on earth. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. The words of Jesus Christ, Matthew 5.13 Salt and the dignity of the fruit of holiness is the true result that comes from the action of true light. And therefore, true light is always salt, and salt is always true light. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. True light in the image of sandals that reveal themselves in holiness is a kind of uh, manifestation that has two polarities, peace and and battle. Depending on the reaction of this light to good or to evil that life daily brings us, uh, daily, meaning we grow, we are taught to reveal the light and salt simultaneously until the full day comes, the full light, full walk in the light. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Romans 13, 12. The purpose of light and salt and salt and light in the image of sandals is well seen in the creation of the great lights. Genesis 1, 16 through 8, and then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God sent them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And therefore, uh, to have sandals on our feet means to be a light and to be a salt in order to separate light from darkness and to rule the night and day. Ephesians 5.8 For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In order to act as children of light, it is necessary for us to dwell in Christ and for Christ in turn to dwell in us. Because on our own, 
outside of Christ we are darkness. One might think, I shall not fall, I'm, I can shine, I'm a, I'm a light to the world, and the Lord had said, you are a light, but you have hidden your face from me, and I am doubtful, I seized. This is what a righteous man says before God. That's why it's important for us to walk in the light of the face of God. And therefore, only when we collaborate with the Holy Spirit and the question of our dwelling and the keeping of ourselves in Christ as well as Christ in us, which is possible only in one case, when we worthy partake of the Pasik of the Lord, we become that light of the truth which demonstrates salt that divides light from darkness. And so one of the components of sandals on our feet gives an opportunity to the Holy Spirit to place us in Christ and for Christ uh, to be placed in us. Or when we receive the legal right and the power to act as children of the light and to act as sons of day. And only then. This occurs from the position of the body of Christ, from our partaking. It's a kind of position in which we are partakers of the body of Christ. Ephesians, Hebrews 12.4 Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And we must remember continually that peace and holiness There's a conflict. How peace and holiness? As soon as you begin uh, to... There's a, you might come across a battle. But peace with God is founded on holy love that is revealed in holy fellowship with God and fellowship with the saints and a holy relationship to our enemies which are not the wicked and are in need of salvation that is contained in this true light. Hatred. We are called to, a hatred which we are called to reveal is in hatred uh, toward all lawliness as well as the wicked. And this is our reaction, the action of our love toward God and His righteousness that is expressed in our relationship toward devil and toward the wicked. Love. Uh, when people say, let's love everyone, we repeat what we already know. Um, we are reminded of this, that love that does not have hatred toward personified evil and uncleanliness cannot be called love. We are called to always remember and know that the wicked are always enemies and enemies are not always the wicked. And therefore, the commandment that is given by Jesus to love the enemies and to bless those that curse and defend us toward the devil and the wicked that are called the children of the devil uh, has no relation to because scripture calls and defines the category in the category of wicked only devil and the children of devil therefore uh, our relationship with wicked people opens in our essence a way for a curse to penetrate and our relationship toward enemies that relates to the category that do not relate to the category of the wicked is either going to um, the wicked are the fallen angels in that category of people who were previously saints that had an organized partaking to the body of Christ but then just like the fallen angels they had 
rejected the truth. These kinds of people cannot be renewed with repentance. Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance fall away not stumble but if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the son of god and put him to an open shame to crucify John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All who believes is a partaker of the body of Christ, or who partakes to the image of the teaching of Jesus Christ. It is obedience to the teaching of Christ that makes a person an organized partaking to the church. And when we talked about the point that a person becomes a partaker to the people of God during the moment of eating of Pesach, so when he submits to the teaching of Christ, when he cooperates with this word, and this makes him an organized partaker to the church, when a person has accepted baptism but does not want to work with this word, does not want to pay the price, he doesn't like something, he can't become an organized partaker of the church. Therefore, whenever in Scripture we talk about God's love toward the world, and this love is spread only upon the church, or rather those who believe, or rather those whom God has foreknown before the creation of the earth that uh, can be found in this world but have not yet uh, been saved. When we moved to that place in which we live, there was an older man who had walked there, he walked and he testified about Jesus and he comes and he says, what's your name? Yes, I know uh, you moved into this home and so forth. I want to testify to you about Jesus. I said, you know, I thank you, but I am a Christian. I'm a, I'm a believing believer Christian. He was American grandpa. He, he was old. He threw himself in my arms and he began to call me brother and so forth. And each time I had felt, I thought, how does he, how does he, you know, uh, I don't know where he went. Perhaps he's already passed away. But even just out, outside, he, this is not that which we are called to do, but love toward the redeemed and toward the saints and toward the body of Christ must be. Not as not as toward other people. Towards other people, we might have a relationship with them. We don't leave this world. We partake in in the things of this world in the sense that we live in this world. But our love spreads towards the believers who submit. Truly, believers are those who submit and obey the word. And we are going to pray together because our time has drawn to an end, we will pray and we will thank God that He has given us this opportunity to hear this word and to have a partaking to this word in order to fulfill it. And let the Lord help us in this. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
We thank you for your mercy, which we have accepted in your precious trust, which you have revealed to us through your church and have made us partakers of this root, of this inheritance in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the precious treasures which you have hidden and which you have revealed to us, the treasures of the observance of your Pesach feast. We thank you that you teach and that you uncover the mystery and this mystery is going to be opened, this mystery that was hidden from generations but was revealed through the holy apostles and in our case Lord you have had mercy on us in the fact that you have allowed us to find these narrow gates so that we can become partakers of your home partakers of Zion we rejoice in this we tremble before the preached word. We thank you for your order. We thank you for this wonderful order in which you, upon the action of each member, you bring us to your fullness. We wait for that day when that which we have heard about, that which we dwell in, that which we had a partaking to, will clothe us, your power and authority. And we will see the fulfillment of this precious promise, the transformation of our bodies, We praise and thank you for all of your works. We thank you for this time. We rejoice. We rejoice in this time and we lift up our heads to the heavens from where we wait for our deliverance. We thank you, Lord, for your day that is drawing near for your victory which you have proclaimed we thank you for our pastor and for that word that you have laid in his heart we ask you to allow us to with trembling prepare ourselves to hearing your preached word Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We submit ourselves to obedience to this word, and we make ourselves servants to this word, this teaching. We thank you for all of the precious promises that are contained in this preached word. We thank you for the day that is drawing near when you will fulfill these revelations for your saints. 
We will prepare our hearts for the following services and allow us to keep ourselves in love, to not offend the Holy Spirit, to desire you with our whole heart, our whole soul, and to be likened to warriors of prayer, to be likened to the image of the Holy Spirit who had hovered over the waters over these thoughts because you know you know that thought which you had for us but you reveal it to us we ask you to continue to reveal your thought and your image so that we in observing the Pesach we celebrate this feast so that we can be prepared to that which you desire to give us and to enrich us with and to present us perfect before your countenance. We thank you, we rejoice, and we bow down before you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we will conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.